And he turns and looks at me, he's like, what are you looking at? And I was like, bro, you do not want to say those words to this guy. Hi. Oh, cool. All right. Well, sweet man. All right. We got everything going. We're all set up. We're all set. We so, were right in the middle of this awkward thing where Parker knew you. And I knew I know you. I know you. <laughs> yeah. I just needed to like get my memory jogged. Like, did we play football <laughs> together? Did we do basketball? Did we wrestle? That I mean, that's that's why we didn't make much of a connection because I I don't know that we ever really crossed paths. I just knew of you. We just knew all the same people. Right. But I I saw you every day. You know, it's one of those things where like I'm yeah. very familiar with you. I just we just never really crossed paths. Right. Okay. All right. So I'm not I'm not a too bad of a friend. I just I hit my head no, a lot no. too. You know what I mean? So it's like I forget a lot. So no, it's all good, man. And I and I also heard of you know when my father-in-law had a seizure he told me you were the one holding his head up off the concrete yes so yes that stuck in my mind <laughs> yeah, what was this no story? so get this so we I were think i heard about it but it was when i was in i think i was in your ward because slack was in your ward right yeah so i was in your ward and we were moving to my new house okay. and um brett was doing this like low carb or some sort of diet thing and uh i vaguely remember this so we were we were moving and i had my buddy bring his trailer and everything and so we were moving into our new place and then all of a sudden, Sister Slack's like, help, someone help him. We're like, what, what? And then I see Brett on the ground, like, season. And I was like, oh, shoot. So I, like, hurried around, grabbed his head, was held his head. And then my buddy my buddy brought an umbrella. And we were giving him so much crap. for like, dude, why'd you bring an umbrella to help move? And so anyway, he came over and, like, held it over. He's like, you going to make fun of my umbrella now? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, – and then I also had an encounter with Brett with basketball. Um, this was right. Just had an encounter with Brett with basketball. Yeah, I that could know. be ugly. This was like first week in. I hope he hears this. Bishop be, Brick. He'll not have said to be like, "Yep, I know." But it's my crazy. first week there, we played basketball, and I don't know what was happening, but Brett Slack was picking on a guy, and so Bishop Peterson took him in to the bishop's office, and I was standing there just waiting, and he turns and looks at me, he's, "What are you looking at?" And I was like. Bro, you do not want to say those words to this guy. Like, I flip a switch. But luckily, my wife was there. She's like, hey, hey, hey. He's he's obviously mad about something. Like, don't get involved. So right. I was like, okay. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, he, he's a hothead. I love him to death. But, like, you don't want to cross him in, in sports. It, it's it's wild, man. I've seen him do some crazy stuff in church ball. But uh, he's, he's a, a good person. dude. One of the best dudes on the planet. So yeah, he's a way nice guy. Like he'll give you a shirt off the back. Like he's it's funny because yep. he he turns into a different person. I think he like yeah. saves it all up for that because he's such a good dude. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's his outlet. Yeah. Sweet. Good man. Well, sweet. Well, hey Parker, I'm gonna turn it over to Abner. Uh, Abner, why don't you? Uh, do an intro for Parker and like just kind of introduce us to him and uh and then yeah we got we got a lot of questions we want to ask you just because we we feel like your story is really cool and we want to really deep dive into it and you know learn about it so yeah yeah so my quick intro to Parker I mean we met do you even remember what year it was we started working together it would have been 2013 or 14 no no yeah 2014 I think it was back then we yeah, we were um, needing somebody that was just killer with graphics and with marketing. And I who even picked the wrong guy. No, dude. 
So no, that that's definitely part of the story. But I'll I'll tell my end of that side. You you go ahead. <laughs> I feel like you hadn't worked in marketing and stuff before, but uh, anyways, met Parker and I was like, man, this guy is gonna just be killer. And so he joined the team and we worked together for I don't know a couple years, year and a half. Yeah, it's probably like a year and a half. Yeah, something like that. And then he just kind of had a dream opportunity to be able to go and start building some of his own stuff, which I'm sure you can kind of tell some of that story when we get into it. But uh, man, that time that we were there, it was like everybody after was like, all right, we got to make sure they live up to Parker. Like just such a good <laughs> dude on top of it and just super creative. So when we were thinking about the podcast, I was like, we got to get Parker on. Just you do things differently, which is exactly what we're trying to do with our brand, right? And so anyways, as one of the first guests, um that's why we're like we're trying to tell the story um we'll just be kind of transparent about like what we're doing with the podcast we're like we want to talk about who we are by displaying other people and showing other people that are doing what we feel like should be done and so that's why we want to have you on that's every other guest we have on we're like this is what Barton is is everything that you're embodying it's like yes like we kind of feel like this is an entire movement of people that are doing things just a little bit differently their own way but not not to really give establishment the bird, but really because they feel like they want to do things kind of their own way and taking what works of what other people are doing, but then also adding what you feel like should be different and do you nail that. So anyways, I want to hear kind of your side of the story though. <laughs> You're saying that as I'm talking, I'm like trying to coherently keep talking, but I'm like, I want to know what you want to say. No, it's just, uh, yeah, my, 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 sort of development in this whole world was very just grassroots and um and bootstrapped and i i started a, a small leather goods business on my own back in like 2012 it was just as bootstrapped as it could be it was me just like wearing all the hats trying to learn how to become a leather craftsman and how to be a graphic designer and how to build my own website and ship things and like everything was happening all at once and I, and I like, while this was all happening, I remember somebody, I don't know if it was Zarin Ficklin or somebody in the startup building maybe was like, oh, you should come down and talk to Jordan. He's looking for a graphic designer and I love the branding you did. But what he doesn't know is that like, I totally scrapped that. Together. It was basically like me, like drawing my, my branding on a piece of paper and like taking a photo of it, somehow figuring out how to vectorize it and like use it for a logo on my website. I still don't know how I figured it out at the time, but I was just like, I don't know, man. Like we have a, like we're, we have a baby on the way. Like, I think it might be cool to maybe go find a job that's a little more secure. Yeah. And yeah. And so I went and interviewed you with you. And I remember just thinking like, this is a really cool dude. And I love the business. I love the mission. Um, but I do remember having some like reluctancy because I didn't have a lot of graphic design experience and, and you were super patient with me and, and, you know, helped me through it. But yeah, day one was like, one of the scariest days of my life. Like my first day on the job, we all went mountain biking up at Deer Valley. I remember. And it was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, this is the dream. This is the coolest job in the world. But I remember like before that, I had to send in some kind of artwork to a sign shop and I didn't outline the, the text. And like, it was just a total uh, crap show. And I remember just thinking like, I don't even know what a PSD is, what a PDF is. I don't know what outlining the text is. Like some of the most basic graphic design stuff, I, yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing. It's, and I remember calling Jordan late at night going like, dude, this is not the job for me. Thanks for giving me a chance, but I'm out. And, 
And somehow you talked me into staying. I was probably like on the verge of tears. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I like my self-worth was shot. And I was like, I'm out, dude. And, and he talked me into staying. <laughs> yeah, he, he talked me into staying. And it was one of the best things, man. Like I I learned graphic design through the Refiner's Fire. Like I had, to, I had to learn it in the moment as one of the best, like, you know, pieces of education I got was just, you know, working with sign shops and printers and, and working with Jordan and hearing your process on branding and design. And so it was really cool to like go through all that. And um, yeah, and, then, and and right after working with you, I ended up jumping into that job with Guru Gear where first mm -hmm. day on the job with that, I they told me, all right, we need packaging for every single Costco store in the US and you got to make it. And I had to sit down on my laptop and come up with some uh, not just the packaging, but the box and everything. And luckily, I was able to knock it out of the park and was really confident with it. And, you know, I couldn't have done that without the time I spent it with Jordan. So, yeah, dude, like that was that was like a wild part of the process. But I I loved every minute of it and all of it. Like Whit and I talk about this all the time with my wife. But like all these weird little twists and turns that my career has taken have like catered to where I'm at now. And I've like picked up little skills and things that, you know, you just wouldn't have ever predicted. but are super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the biggest one? Like, as you're saying that, I'm like nodding my head, but like, what are, what do you think is the biggest skill you've picked up or a few of them? Um, I think that, I think that like, I mean, there's obviously all the technical stuff that was helpful and, and like, you have to know how to do that. You have to know how to wear a hat and just get things done. Like even even today, I'm I'm I've always shied away from running um, PPC campaigns, Google Ads, Facebook. I've done a little bit here and there, just toyed with it. And this last year, I've been like, I'm I'm diving in, I'm going in hard, and I'm still struggling with it, but I'm learning it. And it's just like I think that's what I learned the most was that like the whole process is just like learning how to to be really flexible and and power through stuff and figure it out on your own. Just be resourceful. Yeah, dude, I feel that for sure. I I totally remember when we went biking um, that first day. Um, I think Nate, um, his dad was like taking care of one of the houses up there or something. So we'd like yeah. go for a run and then we were back like at the dining room table, like trying to bust stuff out so that we could just like go out for another ride, come back. Because there was a bunch of stuff that we had to do that day that somehow, I don't know where everything landed on that day for us yeah. to be like, all right, we got to do all this. But um just like you're saying, that's something I've gotten out of the relationship with you too, is like, dude, as we just plow forward. And I think that was some of the conversation where we're like, dude, like, let's just keep moving. Like just one step in front of the other. And really that's kind of what since 2013, 2014, whenever it was that we were working together, that's probably the biggest thing that I've gotten out of stuff is like, man, lots of times where we want it to be perfect and it's just not going to be perfect. And done is better than perfect, right? I think we started saying that quite a bit um, when we were working yeah. together. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the thing is, like, there's still a certain standard that we've got to hit, and that standard, from where we hit to where perfection is, most people aren't going to notice that except for us, right? And so it's like, okay, we got to get it to a point where we feel like a little less ashamed to ship it. Yeah, and then because our standard is pretty high up there um like um stock and barrel so like this is this is one of the wallets wow man you still got it that's crazy yeah 
You made yeah. that one. Yeah. So just good stuff. Anyways, um, tell us a little bit about like how you started Soccer Barrel because I was a little bit before you had joined in with me. Like, why did you decide you wanted to start doing it? Why did you want to get into leatherworking? And what's the first thing you made? Um. Well, I just I just felt like a round peg in a square hole, if that's the right idiom. Uh, when I was at school, I was down at UVU, and I was just like, nothing feels right. I hated being in a classroom setting. I tried it. I mean, I tried. I gave it my all, but I just hated it for everything. I mean, it was just a it was a rough place for me. It always was in high school too. I just never did well in classroom environments. I don't learn that well in that in that environment. I, I like to sort of like bury myself and just consume myself in something and then sort of come out on the other end with like some grasp of how to do it. But I, I don't like learning in a class environment. I don't like being put on the spot. It's, it's really tough. And, and so even when I was working with you, like I'd be so ashamed that I wouldn't know how to do something while you're sitting there standing over my shoulder. So then that night I'd go stay up till two in the morning, like watching YouTube videos, trying to figure it out so that next time, you know, it's just things like that. It's, it's, it's tough for me to learn in a classroom environment, in a team environment. And so, I just remember thinking like, you know, I grew up in a, a family with a lot of entrepreneurs too. Like I had been working before Stock and Barrel, I had been working with my aunt who started a jewelry company. And I think that sort of opened the door for like, oh, this is something you can do. Like she started making jewelry in her basement and um, grew it into a multi-million dollar business, ended up exiting, making multi-millions of dollars. And it just like sort of showed me that like, oh, I mean, you, you, can, you can do it this sort of grassroots bootstrapped way you don't have to be like a you know a, a business major and have all this know-how it's like maybe you can just scrap by and do it and so i um started working with leather just as a creative outlet i'm not like obsessed with leather a lot of people think that's like i'm just like oh like the leather guy is obsessed i really don't care about leather as much for me yeah. it's more about like the the creative outlet and just being able to create something with my hands and I just started making things. I think the first thing I made was like a belt. And then it was like a really crappy iPhone case that like no one would ever use. It was like a sleeve. So you'd have to put your phone in the sleeve, which why would you ever do that? Because you got to take it out to use it. It's just dumb. Yeah. But it was like the first thing I made. And it was the wrong leather, horrible stitching, just, you know, just the learning process. And I started going into like wallets and laptop cases and then bags. And I just really grew to love it. So I started a Etsy shop and that failed horribly. I didn't, I don't think I sold a single thing on Etsy, maybe like two things, but it was horrible. And so I gave one last shot at just building my own website. And I was like, well, I'll see if I can grow my own audience instead of using Etsy and just make some sales there. And luckily that took, that sort of took off. Like our, I, had, I built a WordPress site and I was getting like a couple orders a day. And um, that gave me enough, you know, traction to be like, all right, this is something real. And I started, um, you know, figuring out what products we we're going to sell out of street. Great. It was never like a super profitable business. It not until about 2016 or 2017, it was pretty much just a hobby until then it was like, all right, I'm, I'll fulfill a couple orders here and there. But, um, I was still trying to manage doing other things. Like I had just gotten married and we were like trying to figure out how to buy a house. And so, you know, there was just kind of that back and forth of like coming to work with, with Jordan and then uh, getting another job after that. And then Wit quit her job and started fulfilling the orders. And we were just sort of going back and forth, trying to figure out what we were doing. But at 2016, 
that's when I got laid off from my job. It was like half the company got laid off and it was, it was gut wrenching. Like I had put everything, I was actually really happy there. It was this camera bag company called Guru Gear and Tamrac. And they also had kind of um, like, I don't know, assigned me, I guess, to, to grow a, a small brand out of it as well called Ogden Made. And they had a whole bunch of sewing machines and um, extra Cordura fabric left over from when they bought Tamrac. And let's create like a little local, you know, cool brand out of this. And so I designed a backpack and a couple other bags and we just like grew this business out of it. And it was really fun. Like I was having a blast with it. And then, yeah, and then one day, uh, a couple of years down the road at that, uh, we got called into the conference room and half the company got let go. And I just remember standing in the parking lot, just being like, okay, we just bought a house. I just ha had a baby. I either go find a new job like pronto, or we try and make stock and barrel be something real and not just a hobby. And so that's when, um, yeah, I called wit. I was standing out in the parking lot, just like terrified to call her and let her know what happened. And she was like pumped up. She's like, no, this is it. This is our answer. Let's, let's go all in on stock and barrel. We're doing it. And I was like, what? No way. I was so excited. It's what I wanted to do, but yeah. I didn't think she'd be on board, especially having just bought a house and you know, the, the business wasn't making enough money yet. Like we were going to have to go hard to, to sustain our lives. And so I started a Kickstarter like the next day. I mean, not the actual campaign, but I started preparing for it. Yeah. And, you know, filmed a video, created a line of wallets and like just went all in on it. And we it wasn't like life changing money, but I think we we raised like 40 grand off of that first campaign and then an, a stretch campaign through Indiegogo that made another like 20 grand. And mm -hmm. so it was enough to like I was I was making wallets till I was blue in the face. And I actually that was that was kind of another weird twist and turn of the business. But like i i was miserable at that point too <laughs> like i i just it's my life's just been like this because like after the kickstarter fulfilled and you're like okay i'm finally living my dream this is everything i could want and then i i realize i'm like looking at the order sheet and i have 500 wallets i have to make and i'd wake up at like five in the morning and start sewing and not go to bed till like 10 and i started realizing like i hadn't seen my kids i hadn't seen um wit it like i'd go days at a time without seeing anybody or going home and I was just miserable. I was like, I missed the boat. Something went wrong here. So it took some time, but we outsourced some of the production and, you know, grew and scaled and did some other fun things. But like, yeah, I, I guess I'm just kind of rambling. I, I took that a little too far, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. No, that's, that's really cool, man. Like, like learning the inside and outs of businesses like that. Like you, you went through the grind, like you went from doing this as a hobby to then having it, you know, you lose your job and it's like, no, I want to make this my full time thing. And and then like yeah. the support of your wife to able to, to be able to do that, you know, that she understood that you're going to be putting in those hours and everything that you learned through that business process is which is really awesome, which 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 leads me to my question is, is how did that translate over from like stock and barrel? Like what was the process from going from stock and barrel over to your moto company? And I'm going to let Abner say, I, I, I try to pronounce it, but, uh, Buscadero. Buscadero. Yeah. So, so, so how did, yeah. how did going from leather working creativity and then, and then I don't know. Yeah. yeah. What's your, what's the transfer and what did that process look like of going into, to such a different industry? You know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of creativity that goes into building bikes and whatnot. 
But like, yeah. what was that transition like? And or was there anything that happened in between transitioning over? Um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was tough actually. I I I still don't even know how it happened. I feel like I kind of tripped backwards and fell into it, and it was like a happy accident. But I, you know, we we were doing pretty well with stock and barrel. Like sales were rolling in. We had created like an online course that was a lot more passive and. And just, you know, there, there was a lot of other, you know, we had built a really strong community on YouTube with like 200,000 followers up to that point. We had like some some of the Leathercraft brands like Tandy and Weaver. We had like sponsors paying it. Like it was a really awesome business. And I was really proud of what we had built at that time. And I really wasn't planning on making any changes. But um, my dad, me and my dad have always talked about like running some kind of motorcycle business. Like since I was a kid, we'd always thought about doing it. I, we didn't know what it was or what it looked like, but we just, we'd see like, in fact, the startup building, I have a weird vivid memory of standing in the parking lot of the startup Ogden building. And he and I were looking through the windows. It was like while they were renovating it. And we're like, I wonder if this is leased already. Or like, I wonder who's like, we want this building. Cause it looked like a big garage door. And I was like, I was like, Dad, I don't even know what we're gonna run out of it, but it's got to be a motorcycle business. We got to do it. And he's like, he's like, let's do it. And then we found out it was already leased, and it would have been like billions of dollars. But um, we had always wanted to do it. Like, mo like motorcycles has been such a big part of my life, big part of me and my dad's sort of bond. And uh, he was sort of just tinkering and building in his garage, just building really cool stuff. Like he started out building these Polestar street bike, like you know like a tote goat bike is like a little pull start thing that you just rip around but he made one of those but looked really cool it was like low to the ground big wheels and tire fat tires with a big fat headlight on the front when you rode it you just feel like a total badass and it's just just like kind of tracker cafe style electric start so you're not actually pulling it but it was that motor i'm like i don't know man we were just i was watching him build this stuff and i was documenting a lot of it for him but we didn't really you know i i didn't really have a plan on doing anything with it at that point and then um he built another one and was like all right i'm serious about this i want to sell these and and we're like okay let's go all in we're, we're doing it and i didn't plan on doing it with him we, it was more of like i'll help you build a website i'll help you get content but you know i'm so busy with stock and barrel like that's got to be my you know i got to pay the bills and so um there was all kinds of weird hiccups like they we were being told that in order to get the street legal license or the the ver the certification it was going to cost like up to a million dollars over time to like be certified to sell a bike that's street legal that's why there's just so few manufacturers doing it and it's all high volume big one you know like yamaha harley and so we're like man this is just like not the road we want to go down there's a lot of upfront capital i don't even know how we're going to do this and so then we just started like restoring old motocross bikes because we've raced motorcycles our whole life and um but we we're always doing modern ones but we've loved vintage bikes so we started building vintage bikes that you could race and we had all this cool backstory behind it and it was it was sort of tied into a bike that he raced when he was in high school and we rebuilt it and i raced it in a vintage circuit in throughout like california and wyoming and we just sort of took it on tour and had a lot of fun and we're thinking like, okay, we're gonna start being like, we're gonna be like a custom race bike builder that focuses on Honda XRs. And just like, it was so niched out. I don't even know what we were doing, but I sort of just kept getting myself more and more involved the more we were doing with it. And next thing you know, my dad's picking up this like little uh, 
110. And there's a company here in Utah called Pitster Pro. I don't know if you guys have heard. Yes, of it, I'm, but... I'm very familiar with them. I'm trying to get my kids on some of them, you know, so. Really? Oh, yeah. Sweet, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, they're a cool company. It's just a guy in Utah that started building mini bikes that are built for adults. So he they kind of pioneered the pit bike world where, you know, you had like little bikes and then you had guys riding the little bikes on tracks and they started like having races and it became this whole subculture of like big guys riding little bikes. And so he started, he was one of the first to start manufacturing pit bikes like that are built for adults. And so he had picked one of his 110s up and brought it home. And he's like, I'm going to make this thing look vintage. I was like, sweet. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with that, but let's, you know, just see what you do. And we documented it. And um, there was like a lot of good feedback on it. And he had talked to the manufacturer, Gary, and was like, if I bought like 50 of these from you, just naked without the body work, what would that look like? And it was like, it was overwhelming, man. It was going to be like 50 grand. And like, we'd still have to buy the parts and still have to put them together. And I'm just like, he kind of, you know, went through and made the deal. And we just sort of like fell into this. Like next thing you know, we're like waiting on 50 bikes to show up on a crate yeah. or in a, in a container. Yeah. It took a whole container. And I was like, I, like there was a point where we were waiting for those bikes to show up. That I was like, what did we get ourselves into? This is terrifying. <laughs> Because once those bikes get here, like it's going to be up to us to sell them. And we don't have an audience. We don't have a following. We don't have, I mean, we get zero visitors to our website. I mean, this was just like a weird little hobby thing we were doing. And so luckily, I don't know, like we just, we just really like poured gasoline on it. I, I started getting a lot of content for it. And this is kind of like where my, like my bread and butter comes in. Like I, I really am passionate about um like the storytelling behind a brand and and building brands through through like that grassroots tight niche type storytelling it's it's just like it's what i love like more so than the product that we're talking about like it's what i did with stock and barrel and then i had another chance to do it with buscadero and it was crazy in a short amount of time we had some insane influencers reaching out to us and this was just pure luck i mean I, there's nothing i could have done to to get this but we had uh, this guy named Theron Humphreys with, with 2 million followers on Instagram and his buddy, Alex Stroll. And then like three other guys with like in the seven digits of followers that all bought bikes at the same times at the same time. And then they all drove out to Eden and we had this private track built up in Eden and um, they came, they all came out with their sprinter vans and rode those. And I was just in pure heaven. Like I couldn't believe what was happening. Like the amount of content and video and just like, banging bars and laughing and smiles on mini bikes it was like the most golden just situation you could see yourself in and i've never been happier i was like this is this is what this brand is all about like if you get four or five of your buddies on these little bikes and you're going around even if it's just a flat dirt track with a couple cones out in a it could be a couple cones out in a parking lot and you could have the time of your life so so we sort of took that and ran with it you know we built a brand around that kept producing content. I just got all the e-commerce crap in place, email marketing, um, got, uh, you know, got the website dialed in and put a huge focus on short form vertical content. And it just, you know, started taking off, but I'm still sort of trapped in that like weird middle ground of like, I, I actually, one thing I kind of skipped over is that I sold the leather business during all of that. Oh, okay. so like I had started playing with moto, 
you know, the motorcycles and I'm like, this is so much fun. And I'm seeing a lot more potential. Like we, we got those 50 bikes in and sold them within like a month. And I was like, if we can sell 50 motorcycles in a month, what could we do if we had an actual audience in place? And so we, you know, we just sort of kept going on that road. I saw a lot more potential. I mean, the customer acquisition for a leather bag is so much harder than it is for a mini motorcycle. I don't, I don't even know how to express what that. Seems crazy. Which yeah, seems crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What? Is it because there's tons of leather bags available? And so you got to be think like, this is why this one's more or what? No, it's just the leather craft world is in such a weird position. It's just like you, you can t you can tout that like, oh, this is handcrafted and it's USA made, but but so is one from Filson, who's also somewhat of a mass produced company. It's based in Portland. It's USA made, but they're making thousands of bags at a time and they get to sell them for half the price. And so there's always going to be someone like that. And and so you can't really rely on the USA made um, uh, handcrafted. So then you got to go into storytelling. That's why that's such a big part of what I love doing is like I, I built the brand around our story. Like we lived in Ogden Canyon. We had this cool little wooden leather shop hanging off the edge of the river and like it would snow and like all the content it's just like the story was what sold the business it wasn't the product we could have been selling anything it was just like our family story and building the brand is what grew the following and so so i just felt like like the idea of like trying to sell a lifetime worth of five, six, $700 leather bags was just exhausting to me. I'm like, I don't know how long we can keep this up. Like, I'm sure it'll just keep growing and we'll be doing fine. But it was just like, people were freaking out about the mini bikes. I don't know what it was like something about seeing a little mini bike like that. And then also being vintage, it's so different and unique. And then you see the smiles, you see like the, the camaraderie, the, you know, it's, there's something about it. And I didn't even feel like I had to be a salesman with it. It's just like, turn the camera on and it, it does, it sells itself. So we, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I, I I'm kind of going back and forth on that. Cause right now I'm actually building a lot of content back into the leather world. And I'm, I'm sort of dipping myself back into it, not to sell products. Cause I, I sold the business to my business partner, the one that was doing it with me. And I'm actually like in a non-compete. I can't sell other products. So I'm just focusing on the community side of it. Because during the sale, we arranged so that I got to keep the YouTube channel, which was my favorite part of it all. Like I just loved engaging with with the, you know, the Leathercraft community and just like putting out, you know, it was it was a community. Like it was really fun to be a part of. And I wanted to keep that up. And and so now, right now I'm kind of sitting in this middle ground where I'm like, okay, I really love playing with motorcycles, but I also like have this awesome opportunity to make a lot of money with our YouTube channel. Like there were times in its heyday, like 2018, 2019, it was, you know, making around 20 grand a month between everything, between like the affiliates, the AdSense, the product sales, the digital patterns, like everything that YouTube was sort of working together to sell and also like the sponsored posts. And then we had some retainers, like a brand retainer where like Tandy would be like, we'll pay you like five grand a month just to use our tools in your videos. And so like between everything, I was like, man, I feel like the potential to make money with that is so awesome. And I, I still love the idea of just like renting some quiet little shop down here in St. George and just sort of disappearing and working with leather for the rest of my life. That sounds kind of nice too, but 
<laughs> but then I then I start going down the road of like, oh yeah, but those motors, those little mini bikes are so much fun and and there's a huge potential of that too. So right now I'm like literally just splitting my time in half and having a lot of fun with it. Dude, that's that's cool, man. I'm glad you mentioned uh, you know, St. George because like as you're talking about the leather and what makes it, you know, I I feel like what you're doing with your motorcycles is you're not selling a product, right? You're you're actually selling an experience. You know, yeah. like when like when people see the bike and people see that, you know, you, you guys build them, you make them vintage. I think they see that. And then that, you know, the product sells itself. But then once they get on it, the experience of their buddies is all right and having a good time. Like, I think what you're actually doing is selling an experience that's different than selling an actual product of like a leather good. Like your story was great. You know, they loved your story. That's why they bought your products, you know, and things of that yeah. nature. But you're doing the same thing with a with a with a bike as well but then when they get on the bike that's when they actually get sold you know and yeah. i think people can see that authenticity and things and so i'm glad that you mentioned saint george because that's going to lead me to my next question is with the motorcycle like saint george is known for for motorcycling like like warner yeah. valley tokerville yeah you know, there's just uh, sand hollow like it is known for motorcycling and and, and is that why you move like did you did you anticipate moving your business to St. George for that opportunity? Or was it just something that you just wanted to move down there and you know kind of explain the St. George and, and and motocross down there in your in your business perspective? Yeah, dude, it was a total leap and it's kind of multifaceted, but part of it was the snow. And like I don't want to offend anybody here because I know George's a big <laughs> skier, but uh, me too, dude, like, man. I'm a yeah, I'm a snowmobiler, man. I'm a I got a snow scooter. No, I'm just kidding. You know. I mean? Yeah, yeah. This is gonna be polarizing, but I I was deeply in love with skiing in high school. Like you, like I I lived for it. Like I couldn't even think about anything else but skiing. But something about like moving on from that environment where it was just like me and my friends going to the mountain every day and skipping school. Like once it wasn't that anymore, I just kind of fell out of love with it. I guess and. I just, I just have zero attachment to the snow and, and to make it worse, we lived in the Canyon, which is like, yeah. you guys know, it's the worst place to live in. If, if you don't like snow, it's like, yeah. dude, it was like a full-time job. I'd go out at like seven in the morning and shovel everything I could. And by seven 30, it was already four feet deep again. And so I just spent my whole day shoveling. And I just was getting more and more angry. And by by the way, like while this is happening, like the worst winners, except for the one we're in now, you guys. I was just gonna say, you're gl I'm glad you got <laughs> out of there before this winter because this winter is unreal. Yeah. You've been shoveling for weeks, <laughs> dude. I know. I've been so happy. Like I'm sort of smirking as I'm watching the weather, but also, <laughs> you know, I know you guys love it because it just means fresh powder. But yeah. when I, but like while I was sort of pissed off shoveling my driveway, you know. 50 times a day. I was also like, we were also trying to grow the business too. And it just, we just hit a wall. Like I remember like opening my garage once and there was just like a six foot wall of snow that hadn't fallen in yet. And I was like, I got to somehow figure out how to dig out my truck, load a couple motorcycles into it and get down to this event that we're trying to like, it, the whole thing was just like debilitating. I was like the snow, it's impossible to do what we're trying to do with the snow. And it was it was a big leap though. I mean, we we talked about it for months. Like we went back and forth. Of course, Wit was like sad to leave her family. That was probably the hardest thing. Like we almost didn't do it because of that. We were terrified to not be close to her family anymore. Um, and and me too. My sister still lives up, lives up there in Eden, 
but my parents were going to be moving down here with us, you know, for the business. And so it just, it was just a decision we felt like we had to make. We're like, we're, we're either going all in on this. Like, I just don't want to half-ass anything. I, we're, we're putting so much on the line. We just had to do it. And it was one of the best things we've ever done. Like we moved into this neighborhood that is the coolest ever. Everybody down here are like young entrepreneurs running multi-million dollar SaaS companies and tech startups. And like, um, everyone has kids, our kids age, and we have like this cool community swimming pool. And we've been swimming all winter long, watching our friends just get buried in snow. It's, been very, <laughs> it's incredible. So yeah. And then, and then the best part is like, we've been riding all year long. Like I can throw a couple pit bikes in my truck and we just, here's the other part of it that you don't know you don't really realize this unless you're a rider but anywhere like northern utah you can't just like pull off at any given spot and ride like you have to either be part of a private club like oca or drive really far like to the knolls or something to find any open land that you can just ride a motorcycle around without getting in trouble and i remember like a solid week where i was trying to get a shot for the finished product for our website and i was like i had the shot in my mind it needed to be wide I needed good landscape. I couldn't even find a spot to like, not even to ride it, just to set the bike where there wasn't a bunch of crap anywhere. I was going out to like way out past Willard. I just like, I couldn't find, I was getting so frustrated. I was like, there's nowhere to just like pull off and ride a little mini bike around. And I was pretty ticked off about that. And that sort of helped me push down here. Cause we came down here to stay just to sort of get a feel for it. And like, we stayed at, at the neighborhood we live in and just like 30 seconds from the neighborhood it's just the arizona strip and wide open riding there's huge berms and like jumps and little canyons to ride through and just unending riding areas like i i was floored the first time we saw it and and that that was enough like that sealed the deal and ever since we've been down here we just keep finding more and more riding areas like there's the known spots like you're talking about there's like warner sand hollow but then there's also like all these little hidden spots just all over the place like anytime you want to you know, photo shoot, video, whatever, just go out and ride for fun. There's always somewhere to go down here. And we've been riding all winter long. So it was a good move for us. And uh, yeah, we're. And we're, it's probably we're, helped we're your stoked. business too, right? It's kind of helped, you totally. know, because you can put out content all the time and things of that nature. Yeah, that's really what it was about. It just, it was so hard to like keep growing when we're like, we're shut in. How do we keep, you know, the content coming? How do we, you know, like look like we're alive? And so since we've been down here, it's just been nonstop. Yeah, it's been really fun. We're going to come and bite ourselves along some of those rides. Yeah, please do. Today. Yes, sir. Oh, really? What are you guys doing? Uh, we're just going. My uh, my brother's playing in a baseball tournament down there. So we're I'm going down to golf, of course. And Sweet. Some content, dude. Yeah, have you – now also with you being in St. George, you know, St. George I feel like is known for – Motor, uh, you know, motocross and golf. Yeah. Have you picked yeah, up yeah, golf yeah. while you're down there? Do you play golf? Like, what's what's the golf history like down there for you? I mean, I know a lot of the old timers go down there, and that's what they do yeah. all the time, just golf. Like, have you picked it up at all? Do you play or? I haven't, dude. This this could be another polarizing statement. I don't dislike it. I just it's just one of those like it's just another hobby that I couldn't possibly fit into my life. Like, I would love to. I'd love to get into hunting. I'd love to be a golfer. There's a, there's so many things I'd love to do, but I just couldn't possibly do it. Like, and maybe that, yeah, I don't know. I, so many of my friends do it. Like I should get into it. The most golfing I've done is they built this big, like big shots, top golf kind of thing, right in our community. 
and they've got like an awesome restaurant and bar. And so we just go there like on the weekends and hang out with friends and like everyone else is golfing. Like, you know, Matt Sutherland, Jordan. Yeah, um, yeah, I know him too. Yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah, you know Matt. Yeah. So like we're just there like almost every weekend. He hits a lot of balls, and I just kind of hang out. <laughs> I've, I've tried to hit some, but I, I don't know. I'm, hey, I'm I'll, not great. I'll tell you what though. We'll send Carson down to St. George today. We'll get you some golf gear from Varden, so it'll you'll oh, look sick. like a golfer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and with that being said, like, I just want to – I think the mission behind what you guys are doing is so cool. I'm so stoked to – I mean, that's why I wanted to be part of this. I just think – like, I might not be a golfer, but I just think that – you know, this one thing Jordan always does is if he's going to be involved in something or create a brand or whatever, it's not just about the product. It's not about the the brand. It's about the mission and the message behind it. And that's what – you know, I think that's what's so cool about what you guys are doing with Varden and – I, I'm stoked to see it like come to fruition. It just seems like you guys are tearing it up. Yeah. And, 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 and that's like our, yeah, our mission is to like, I don't consider, I mean, I play golf, but like, I am not considered a golfer. Like I'm not like my friends aren't gonna be like, Hey, we got a scramble coming up. Let's call Jordan. Yeah. Or let's call Wayman. Like he's yeah. going to be the one to come go. Like I'm not that guy, but yeah. you know, I, I love wakeboarding. I love motocross. I love that. And, and what we're doing is, uh, is we, I want to be able to represent that into a business setting into like a corporate world. Um, and, and that, and that's what we're doing is like, we want to bring moto into golf, you know, and like in, in, in the, in, into business, you know? so it's, it's yeah. more of like, like we want you to represent you and moto life because that's what you live and that's what you do. And that's what you grind. And yeah. when you're out doing business deals, you know, Varden can represent that for you, you know, like that, that's, that's, that's our mission. And, and I so love you can, that. Yeah. You guys, you guys need to sign a supercross rider. Cause it like, for some reason, golf just caught a resurgence in supercross, like all the top guys, everybody like Adam C and Cerullo, Coop, everybody's golfing now. Like they show them, I follow them all on Instagram. That's all they do. Like they, they're more obsessed about golf than racing. They're like, all right, I'll go race on the weekend. And then like, yeah. we got to get back to golfing though. And it's, it's crazy, man. Like there's definitely like something happening there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Christian Craig fan, Joe Shimoda, you know, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. And then, and, and like now, like I just saw an advertisement that like, um, uh, Tony Romo, uh, wants to get into the PGA. Um, also <laughs> like, um, Steph, uh, shooter three, Steph, uh, Curry, Steph Curry, Curry, Murray, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the three, three point shooter, dude. Yeah. Like he, uh, he's into golf. Like he's going to try to, uh, the PGA, you know, and stuff like that. And so like, we want to be a part of that, like, and grow with that, you know, like live golf. Like we, like, hopefully we can grow this business. Like, so when you watch live golf or the yeah. PGA, you're going to see Varden on the banners, on the background, you know, that that's where I'm, I'm, I'm the dreamer of this company. <laughs> like I'm always thinking of like ginormous picture, you know, yeah. but I always got to like rewind it back to like, okay, what do we got to do now? You know what I mean? So yeah 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 i love that man yeah I, I could totally see all those guys christian craig like wearing a varden hat with his star racing yamaha like official team shirt on you know like yeah i, th I think it'd be a really cool like natural integration kind of you know, like the, the, that integration stuff is huge it's just the natural that you know you're not forcing it it's just like these worlds are coming together you got to get on board or not right well and like ken ken roxon and chase sexton trained in st george you know and i know like, dude we, like they trained in all the time 
Yeah, Dude, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm not secretly out at Warner every now and then, like looking for him. Like when I know, like <laughs> it's off season, I've been out there, dude. Yeah. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Yeah. No, that's that's cool, man. Well, I, yeah, like this is awesome, and we'll we'll get you some gear for sure. Um, yeah, so love it. that way you can help, you know, represent. But yeah, man, this has been awesome, bro. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah thank I feel you like guys. we've been you with questions. Anything you want to hear from us? No, I mean, I, I. I don't know if this would bore your audience, but like I get such a kick out of like the nitty gritty, like strategy kind of stuff. Like I'm really excited to see and hear what you guys plan on, like how you plan on approaching, like growing the community aspect of it, how you plan on like getting traffic, the, you know, content strategy, that kind of stuff. Just like I starve. I love that stuff, man. Like I, I can't wait to hear what you guys are doing with that. But if you don't want to go into it on this, I totally get it. No, that that's great. Like I'll start on the sales side of it and then, you know, we can turn We have interns here that are working with us. Admiral knows the operations, but I'll start off. I'll kick it off with sales. Um, so like with sales, um, we are a retail brand, right? Like we're a retail golf brand um, for starters, you know, like that, that's what we are. Um, and so with Abner's background of working with corporations and doing promotional swag and, and, and things mm -hmm. of that nature, one thing that we're really finding out is like, for instance, I'm working with a lot of construction companies and these construction companies have like internal employee um, swag stores. Right. And so basically our bread and butter for the operation of this is I'm going to these construction companies or other companies and saying, hey, this is what Varden is. We want people to authentically re represent themselves in their personal life and in their business life, like with you, with Moto, like with with other people in wakeboarding, wake surfing or, or mountain biking or things of that nature, whatever they're into, uh, we want them to be able to um, represent that in their own companies. And so a lot of companies already have employee stores. And so if they have an employee store, we would like to be a, a brand represented on there so that they can wear a Varden shirt with their logo, uh, things of that nature. Then it represents golf and business and things of that nature. Also, some companies don't have a actual store. And since we're a mm -hmm. golf shop, we're actually calling it a pro shop uh, because cool. some of these like big construction companies sponsor golf tournaments, right? And so with Abner's background of the promotional space and with the Varden as apparel and golf accessories, we create a pro shop. So it's a one-stop shop for businesses to get all of their golf apparel for the go sponsored golf tournament, to get their printed banners, to get their you know um, table throws and the promotional things as well all housed within a Varden Pro Shop. And so we actually sell these Pro Shops to companies. So that way when they do sponsor a golf tournament or they do have a new hire and they need a new hire kit, we can provide all of that for them without having them to order 500 pieces and store it in a closet and then have like their employees come and take it. We actually yeah. internal house it all together. So whenever they get a new hire, they get a kit and it goes right to them. And, and, and they, they're, they're doing oh, a- cool. Yeah, they're doing a golf tournament. Here's their feather flags or whatever. So that's kind of the bread and butter of the sales side of things. But, you know, Abner can talk about the operations and um, these two can talk about the internships and what they're doing uh, with us here. So, yeah, something that's kind of interesting about that is when we're thinking about meeting people where they're at, um, a lot of because of my background working with businesses, businesses want people to be excited about where they're working while they're working, but also not at work. And so that's kind of the idea is like, think about like Qualtrics, all the surveys and mm -hmm. stuff. They started at universities and their go-to-market yeah. strategy was through universities. And then they're going to be taking it into the rest of their lives. 
And for the first few months, our biggest push is kind of like he's saying, through a lot of the business relationships that we already have. Because really, it's all of their employees that are like, hey, I don't really want to wear what my dad was wearing. I'd like to wear something that's, I imagine it's like Ruka or Volcom kind of mixed with Nike, right? Like all these alternative sports. Mm-hmm. But there's this gray area where there's brands that, there's golf brands that are trying to be different, but they go straight to like sex and drugs and like, they're like obnoxiously loud. They're not like, it's not our style. We're not wanting to wear like big Hawaiian shirts and like we're wanting yeah. to wear things that do help us to stand out, but in a different way. And so it's kind of like that. Sometimes we kind of call it like life after skateboarding, right? Like kind of yeah. what you're mentioning about skiing. It's like, all right, we're kind of beyond like skipping school and stuff. We're really trying to like accomplish some crap in our lives. And so yeah. really the community that we're trying to build is those that are, are working hard, playing hard and over delivering like all of those things right and so that's why it makes sense for us to authentically go to businesses i struggle with it a lot because i'm like we're not a swag company and like doing this for the first little bit like sometimes it can really feel that okay this is like a promo brand but it's absolutely not um everything that it's kind of a culmination of like you had mentioned all these twists and turns and everything from like what's your career that's absolutely what this is like in high school, and I know we've talked about it um, when you were when we were working together, but um, Mountain Mafia was like bringing skiers and snowboarders together. And yeah. so started doing that. And what got me into the promo industry was I want to understand all the back end, like all the business side of it, all the supply chain and how are we going to do sourcing and how are we going to do tech packs to create the goods and how are we actually going to like worry about all the logistics and the e-commerce and all of that side of it. And so yeah. that's part of kind of been my twists and turns doing a lot of those different things because there's corporate movement still running then there's established which i don't know if i've even talked to you about that but we build websites and do seo and digital marketing and do all that digital consulting side but all that was in preparation for this brand that's kind of like i don't know i don't know like a non-corny way to say it but it's like kind of the culmination of like every day and going back to exactly why i started trying to push really hard when I first got into business. It was like, it's really about the relationships. It's not about the dollars. It's about the community and about everything that you kind of mentioned with what you're working on as well. But it's it's what we're doing and we have this one life. So we're gonna make the, me- the most of it. We're gonna work hard, but not work so hard that we're not having fun. Not work so hard yeah. that we're not with our families and trying to like represent ourselves in that. And so, it's as I'm working on other stuff, like I'm spending more and more time on this and I want to spend all time, all the time that I have on this, because just kind of like you said about the bikes, like it's so fun and it almost feels like it has its own momentum. And I think a lot of that is because it's not about the people that are necessarily starting it, running it. All of us, I feel like we have an awesome team, but the brand itself is about like everybody else. It's really outward facing. It's like, yes, you get it. You're trying to do these things. And it's a big community of people that like, just think about you going down to St. George, you're finding people that you're like, dude, if I lived near you, like at any point in my life, we would have been best friends. And like, it's so yeah. rare for them now. And yeah. Yeah. Imagine if we could get more and more people like that together. Uh, like that's kind of what I see the opportunity of this brand is like, it's kind of a meeting place for, all these things like if you do a Venn diagram, like the circle of like anywhere where they're at and profession and like mm-hmm. all the stuff that we're doing. Anyways, that's 
everything we do, we keep on like, oh, it's a Venn diagram. It's like this intersection of all these different things. And kind of like you were mentioning, whether that's moto and golf or skiing and golf or yeah. um, even just passion and profession. It's like, really, you should be having a good time and I don't know, living life to the fullest in all of those areas. And that's what makes this brand really fun is like, yes, it is a brand and it is a golf brand, but we're, we're, we're building a movement. Like it's not just the brand. It's the brand that helps create this movement, which is fun. So, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Love it. So I don't know if that kind of helps explain to you, but like the ways that we're going to be doing that is we're going to be finding influencers kind of like you had mentioned. And maybe, I mean, we, we have like zero reach with this podcast right now, but it's, it's going to be growing. Yeah. Just like you mentioned how there were um, a couple of influencers that you're like, man, these guys made like a really big impact on what we're doing. The influencer strategy that we're going to be going, it's going to be people that are enjoying golf, but are influencers for something different. So all the people that you were just mentioning where it's like, they don't really have like, they're going to be wearing like Alpine star stuff, like on the course. So what are they going to be wearing? Like this should be like their, their passion brand that they're wearing that makes sense where it's like, okay, this is yeah. my leisure time. This is like when I'm doing what I want to be doing. I'm not really worried about like trying to do specific things for my sponsors and say the right things and do all that kind of stuff. It's like, like you said, you get five people that are all like doing that, no matter where that's at, whether it's on the golf course or whether it's in a gondola, or whether it's on the lake or on some bites, they're going to have a good time. And that's, that's what it's about because they're pushing their life to the fullest. I don't think that a good time is doing that 1000% of the time. It's like, yeah, there's other things that are really important in my life. And all of those things need to be a part of that component. And so it's not just all play, but it's yeah. when you're playing, you're playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's beautiful. Yeah. And part of our other strategy is, uh, so right now, like we're, we're, we're kind of bootstrapping, you know, like we're just, uh, just trying to get things done, put like, like when we first started, we were just trying to throw everything together. And I was like, wait, let's back up. Let's create some values. Let's create, let's create a mission statement. Let's, you know, and so we've done that. And so after we've got that created, we're ready to expand. And that's why we've, we brought on interns as well. Um, and so we have interns that are helping us grow this because I mean, we're trying to get sales. We're trying to get, you know, we're trying to get this growing so then we can start getting paid <laughs> yeah. uh, to do stuff like this. But, but yeah, we, I mean, Carson's here and, you know, he's part of our, our internship program. And so is Britain. And, you know, why don't, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what, you know, kind of like what you guys are up to and what, what your plans are and yeah. you know, what you're doing with. For with sure. So, I mean, I joined on, um, I graduated high school two years ago, joined on because I, I mean, I don't want, I, I was working a nine to five, just, you know, doing my thing, saving money, going to school. Um, but I found these guys and it's just, I, the, their, uh, mission statement and everything that, um, like I want to do as a, I mean, I love golfing. I love skiing. I love wakeboard, all these things. It just brings that into work where it's, I, I love that. And, um, yeah, and it goes along with our strategy on, uh, social media where, we're we're looking for those kinds of people who want, want to join in with us and be part of the community so yeah i mean that's just that's where i stand and it's where i'm at now so yeah it's beautiful what kind of stuff are you going to be focusing on like like technical like the technical kind of stuff uh yeah so right now we're, I, i'm part of the 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 social media so we're doing TikTok, 
uh, Facebook, all all the jazz, Instagram, yeah. product posts and trendy trendy videos and all that. Um, and then I'm working with the the podcast stuff as well. Getting sweet. Never done it before, so <laughs> we're working on it and getting it going. But he's doing all the editing and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Carson just jumps in wherever. Like, been yeah. super impressed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if that's not entrepreneurship, man, I mean, dude, that's the thing. Nobody knows what they're doing ever. Nobody right. has. <laughs> right. like, everyone's figuring things out, dude. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then Britain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, I'm kind of in a similar boat. Um, just going to school, working a nine to five. I'm work. I was working at. Well, I still am. I'm working at Home Depot to try to pay the bills. Cool. Um, and so I. I, I actually met Jordan at a, well, it was, I didn't even know there was a career fair at Weber State. I was just getting my tacos on Taco Tuesday. We get three tacos. And he, he, he walks up behind me in line and we just started to chat. And then it was weird because I, uh, um, earlier that morning, I'd been looking for jobs and stuff because um, I was getting like cut hours and stuff and I wasn't actually able to it was going to look like I might barely scrape by as far as paying for school. And so I was looking for jobs. And in that process, I had ordered like a bunch of like actually like business casual type stuff because I didn't have any. I mean, I just wore my my jeans and my shirt to work and with my boots. And that was it. Yeah. Um, and I actually drove down my down my driveway and it had come that morning. So I went and threw on my 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 shirt and I walked upstairs and I talked to Wayman because I talked to him to, to Abner downstairs and uh, I was like, you know, that's actually kind of, kind of a cool, what, what they got going is cool. And I, and I, before then I had, hadn't really had any experience with business and I have no idea what I'm doing still. I'm still running with everything. Um, but I uh, went up and talked to Wayman and thought that what they were doing was cool. And then talked with Abner a little bit more and I'm, I'm kind of his, I'm his assistant. So wherever he is, I am. And, try to take the load off his plate between the other businesses too, so that he can try to focus on getting this going more too. So I'm kind of everywhere and anywhere. So beautiful. Right on. You guys got a good team. Yeah. Something kind of funny. This is, I mean, something to take away from all that we've been talking about a little bit. And I, I don't even know if Britain knows this, but we were at the career fair. So we're upstairs and I feel like there's a lot of businesses that think how a lot of different people at the booths were. They were like, all right, we're just sitting here and we're just like waiting for people to come. And one of the other booths was like, hey, if you're going to go get lunch, wait, because there's tons of students down there. And I was like, we're here to talk to students. So I'd like left right then immediately to go down because I'm like, there's not a lot of students here. I'm going to go where everyone else is. And just think about that, like with Muscadero um, and like with anything that you've done, like doing things a little bit differently. Like when everyone's like, yeah, don't go there. Cause like, you're going to be waiting in line and doing that kind of stuff. And I didn't go down. I wasn't like, all right, who am I going to like set up? But I'm like, you put yourself in an opportunity to be able to have success for what you're looking to do. And so I talked to Brenton and then I went and I sat at like three other tables with different students. I like ate with them for a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, I think there's somebody that I know. I didn't know anybody, but I got up and went to another table. I'm like, a couple people, right? Like, but those are kind of the business types of things that I feel like you're doing and that we got to do to really move the needle is it's provoked luck, right? It's giving yourself enough opportunities to be lucky so that when people look at you, they're like, I can't believe that was so lucky here and there. And you're like, it was, 
but I also gave myself 500 other opportunities to be lucky that I wasn't lucky, but, but, but you then it, give yourself the opportunity to. Yeah. But then it's also, we're very like, that's our first value of Varden is being authentic, right? Like if, if there's students down in the cafeteria, we're here to go talk to students. So being authentic and just grabbing tacos and saying, Oh, Hey, what, you, what are you going to the career fair? Like what, what's going on? You know? And like, it's just that authenticity that I think is what really is going to separate us from, and what's really going to help us excel, uh, being authentic and all the rest of our values to, to make it to those big leagues. So. For sure. I love that. Yeah. 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 Dude, you're speaking my language. I, yeah, I, I don't think I ever really put, enough uh value in networking or even really knew what it was i think in my mind i thought networking was like a bunch of people at some business conference sitting around with drinks talking at tables i'm like that's what networking is i don't do that but like i've noticed like I, i've had a few moments just within the last couple of years where i like need something or i need help or i'm just like you know i'm sort of like looking for certain opportunities or something and it's wild like what like i start thinking back on like all the people I've met and have worked with over the years that have sort of created other opportunities. And it just sort of like turns into this like branch where all these, you know, different arms of opportunity open up and it's, it's wild, man. Like I started like writing down a list of like, okay, if I, if I like needed, you know, to get funding for a business, like who could I know that would help? And also I'm like, bing, 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 like all these people. I'm like, I know more people than I need or th than I thought. Um, to sort of make this happen and it's wild. So I, I'm, I'm putting a lot more like punctuation on, on networking these days where I'm, I'm trying really hard to just keep doors open and, and like see what opportunities come from it. You never know. And like, especially with cool brands like you guys, I mean, I, I, I love what you guys are doing. And I, I, I think that just like having conversations like this open big doors that you don't even realize. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Our door is always going to be open to you, man. And like, Likewise. uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna plan a golf trip down there. We're gonna give you a call. We're gonna play some golf. We're gonna ride some bikes, and we're gonna yeah. have a good time, man. So, and we'll rekindle like our our uh, high school passing <laughs> by each other every day, and we'll we'll yeah. make it a lot better now that we're older and more mature. And yes, dude, you know we're grown up, and I mean you're a dad, I'm a dad, so we get it. You know what I mean? So, we'll, yep, we'll yep, rekindle, my friend. So I love it, man. We'll have we'll have four or five pit bikes ready to rip when you guys get down here awesome yeah, cool. cool let's make that happen soon then i i'm loving the snow like you're saying but dude <laughs> it's springtime i'm excited for spring i don't know maybe if you think about it really hard do you really love it though <laughs> i really do, do. Yeah. i do i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry i i, I <laughs> think about it real hard though yeah yeah so well cool man <laughs> that's, good. Uh, that's all i have you guys have any other questions for him any last words no so, parker dude we need to chat more often it's it seems like it it's a year and then also it's like a couple years between when we yeah. chat dude it's crazy yeah always good to talk with you, man. yeah my door's always open I've, it's been an honor talking to you guys thanks for having me yeah yeah, yeah. thank you sweet thanks man well cool okay all right guys. We'll keep in touch my friend thanks all right have a good one see ya see ya